Well, hello, Babel Love listeners. Welcome back. It is Thanksgiving Day, and we have a very special treat for you. But before we begin, let me say the Thanksgiving prayer. This is from Right to in the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and gracious Father, we give you thanks for the fruits of the earth in their season and for the labors of those who harvest them. Make us, we pray, faithful stewards of your great bounty for the provision of our necessities and the relief of all who are in need. To the glory of your name, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. So today we are joined by Anne Alexis. Anne Alexis is a double name like Mary Balfour Hera, and she is the Minister for Children and Youth at St. Martin's in the Fields in Philadelphia. And Anne Alexis, we got you to join us right from the Forma group. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. I'm so thrilled. We get to meet all these new people because we just like randomly put it out there and thought maybe who would be joining us. So I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. I am thrilled to be here. I really am. I love the Forma community. So I am doubly glad that we got to connect through Forma. Um, my friends who don't know what Forma is, it's, uh, it's the national, uh, Episcopal Ministry of Christian Educators and Formation Leaders. And it's just a really wonderful community of people who are looking to share ideas about what the church is and what it can be. Awesome. Before we get started, will you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your ministry? Absolutely. Yeah. So I am the Minister for Children and Youth at St. Martin's in Philadelphia. I started at St. Martin's in February of 2021, which if we remember was uh, a yeah. yeah, it was a challenging time to start. Uh, prior to that, I was at a parish in Wilmington, Delaware doing children's ministry. I'm a lifelong Episcopalian. I, I think they call us cradle to grave. Yep, I'm one um, of those too. <laughs> and I, I, I love being a cradle. I love getting to know other people. Um, for me, it's kind of a point of love because I come from a very strong line of Episcopalian women, my mom, my grandmother. So, um, yeah, but I am just, I'm thrilled to be here this morning. Awesome. I, we have a lot in common. My dad is an Episcopal priest. And of course I followed in his stead to become an Episcopal priest. And it's interesting talking about Esther with women um, because, you know, sometimes I feel like women's voices don't get heard as much. And yeah. I should say, Alan has not deserted us, y'all. He just had to <laughs> be on um, a trip for Thanksgiving. And so that's okay. We'll miss him. But maybe this is the way it's supposed to be. Um, Esther, as we know, is one of 
two books of the Bible named after women. Um, I think women in ministry is becoming more and more, but still our voices are under, underrepresented. Um, I talked about this last week, but you know, Alexis, you, I think you might think this is cool. I got to um, preach at our Dyson convention and I was so excited that our bishop would ask a youngish female priest in a smaller parish, you know, to, um, to do this. And I, I think more and more we need to lift up voices. So I'm excited to lift up yours today. It's awesome. So specifically today, we are talking about Esther four through seven. And I wondered if you would just give me a few of your thoughts about these particular chapters or Esther in general, and just let me know what you're thinking. So Esther for me is probably one of the coolest people in the Hebrew scriptures. I think Esther is a story that we don't get to tell often enough. Right. Um, she is somebody after whom I try to model my ministry just because she was so earnest. Um, but she also, I think, was faced with this dilemma of hiding her identity and keeping herself safe and living in this space of privilege or uh, stepping out of that kind of protected space, walking into God's will for her and saying, I am Jewish. This is who I am. This is, this is how I understand myself and understand God. And I can't imagine the fear that she had and kind of this restlessness and trying to make the decision. Um, I like, I like the hard earnest that you said, Anne Alexis. I hadn't thought about that, but I think that's a great one. We talked a lot last week um, about her courage, but I, I think earnest is a really good word. And also like living in that dilemma, which we as humans in 2022 can certainly understand, right? What do you do? What, right. what do you do from that place of privilege and protecting yourself, but also like what is right for God's people? So I love what you just said. That's, it's, it's a hard place to be. I and mean, we all face that dilemma. So great that we have an Esther to look to, um, you know, to try to make those good decisions. Absolutely. And I, I see a little bit of a parallel between Esther and Mary, especially as we're looking to this Advent season. Yes. Excellent point. Um, they, they both, um, they both, like I said, were very earnest, but just as Esther was kind of faced with this dilemma of, um, do I expose myself? Do I become vulnerable? So was Mary. Um, Mary was hugely uh, kind of almost cornered into this, like, what do I do? Um, and that doesn't take away from their faithfulness. It just shows that shows us how human they are. Yeah. And we need that, right? We need yeah. to see those human examples. I think that people get very fearful about the Bible in general. Like, oh my gosh, the Bible says this, the Bible says that. And especially the Old Testament, sometimes when it, feels like there's like war and battle and, you know, all of that. And we forget that these were humans that walked around on the earth too, right? These were people that were trying to live their lives just like we are. Maybe the situation was different. Definitely the clothing was different. You know, yeah. the laws were different, all those things. But 
that humanness factor, I think, is so important because we're hard on ourselves, right? And we forget we're not Jesus. We're not God. We're just human beings right. trying to do the best we can. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, specifically, talk to me a little bit about Esther 4 and 5 and 6. So, you know, Mordecai, who is this man in her life, actually goes to Esther and says, I need help. And so for women, that's like triumph. Yes. The man is <laughs> saying, I need help. What are, what are your thoughts on, on chapter four? Chapter four for me is, um, it's really almost poetic, especially those opening like four to five verses. Um, I mean, Immediately in chapter four, Mordecai is overcome with grief. He's tearing his clothes. Um, and it, for me, uh, I also, I have an English background. Um, okay. So I have to remind myself to read the Bible as a person of faith and as kind of a scholar, uh-huh. um, which that's its own conversation. <laughs> but it's just kind of hard to do that, right? Yeah, it's it can be very hard to separate. Um, that's okay. I think God still loves me. Absolutely. <laughs> no, it's just, it's so poetic and beautiful. And I feel like the author of Esther really wants us to sense kind of the, um, the grief and the dysfunction in the environment. Um, and then we close chapter four of Esther... So we open with Mordecai and he's devastated and everything feels bad. Um, And then we close chapter four with Esther saying, hold a fast on my behalf. Go gather all the Jews. If I die, I die. She is courage. Does that take man? She is a belief in God. Don't you think? I mean, just almost stupefying how faith-filled Esther is to say, "If I die, I die." Um, but I know I that this will be. I can do that, Anna Alexis. I really don't. I I don't think I could say that as faithful as a person as I am. I'm not sure I could martyr myself like that, you know, or be prepared to be martyred. You know, it's tough. It's incredibly tough, and I've had these kind of, we'll call them panic thoughts of, um, you know, I'm a woman in ministry. I have preached at the pulpit and discerning holy orders. Would I ever be in a position to lay down my life for my church, my partner, my, my friends, my family. Um, and it's, I don't, I don't know either. I don't know if I could do it. Um, we hope and pray that we're never faced with that kind of challenge or opportunity, but it's, it's amazing to me that Esther was able to say like, yep, I'm good. I'm going to go ahead and just put myself out there for the betterment of my people. And, you know, I think we are faced with those challenges, maybe not to the extreme of death, but, you know, thinking about um, loving all of God's people, um, I know, and I hope that you become a priest. I think that's awesome. Um, I, but I know that, like, 
in my own work, like sometimes I've had to say, you know, am I willing to lose that stewardship gift? Am right. I willing to, and all for the, for the sake of the gospel, you know, am I willing to, you know, push people in a really tough way all because this is what I'm sure Jesus would do, you know? And so I think we all face that in some way, shape or form. It's not death, but it's, you know, and I'm not perfect at it. And I've definitely <laughs> there's been times where I've been like, that's not a ditch I'm going to die in, you know? Right. Well, I think a really important piece of Esther's story is this sort of unspoken discernment um, that she had, because we keep coming back to this idea of sacrifice, of laying down her life. Um, Like what kinds of conversations was she having with God about that? What was she doing? Where was she when she made that decision? All of these questions that help us guide our own discernment. We just don't have the answer. The author didn't provide us with the, the text. So it's. Let me ask you a question. Do you think you use Esther in your daily discernment? Whatever that is, working with the children of the youth or discerning holy orders, whatever. That is, I've really never thought about using Esther as a place for discernment. I think that's amazing. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Esther became a role model for me in my, in my like priestly discernment. Mm-hmm. Um, because she's, she's just, she's so cool. I don't know how else to say it. I love um, it. I worry terribly that, um, the message of the gospel is, is getting misrepresented kind of in popular culture as this worldwide rise in national nationalism sort of takes the stage. And I've thought to myself a couple of times, like, Anne Alexis, you may have to be like Esther and say, no, this is my faith. These are my people. I'm going down for it. Mm-hmm. but God will be with me. That's amazing. I'm so proud of you in that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, I could talk about your discernment all day because I love this stuff and we'll chat more about it offline, but tell me, let's go, let's be thinking about chapter five. Yeah. What do you think? So this, this banquet, um, is occurring. So we've already had one banquet and now we're having another. These people like to party. Uh, yeah. and, but, and some of the partying is good and some of it's parading around of women, but tell us what you think about chapter five. I really, I like it. It's, it's a pretty short chapter, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Right. I, it feels almost Shakespearean to me because we're watching this kind of drama unfold at this big, elaborate, fancy gathering. Um, and it's so clear to me, like, here's Esther. She's the, she is the, the hero. She is, she's the hero. Um, and then we have Haman, who is clearly the villain. Right. Um, and Mordecai, who's kind of like the catalyst for Esther to do her thing. Um, so I really, I love when Esther says to the king, if it pleases the king, come to my banquet, bring Haman. Uh, if I were her, I wouldn't have been able to say bring Haman. Right. 
so we get these kind of little glimpses into who Esther is. She's both very cunning in that she does say to the king, bring Haman. She knows he, uh, that he's the antagonist, but she's willing to kind of bite her tongue on that. But also, I don't know. I like to think that maybe in the depths of her heart, she's thinking to herself, I'll have this banquet. Everybody will suddenly understand, including Haman. Let's see if I can get him on my side. I want to give him another chance. You know, I have no idea if those were her motives, but I like to think that a person of her faithfulness would do that. Yeah. And then when we get into chapter six, the king then honors Mordecai, which is right. interesting. So what are your thoughts on that? It's just, it's really cool. Um, I think every piece of this story of Esther's whole story goes back to her bravery. Um, so if she hadn't kind of laid these pieces of having these banquets of communicating with these people, Mordecai may not have been saved. She may not have been saved. Who knows what could have happened. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, I'm also such a nerd. I love the language in chapter six because it's so visual. Mm-hmm. Um, verse seven. So Haman said to the king, for the man whom the king wishes to honor, let royal robes be brought, which the king has worn and a horse that the king has ridden with a crown on its head. It's so um, linguistically rich that I feel like it takes the readers kind of on a story. I mean, it does. That's your English background coming out on you. That's awesome. I love it. But it, for me, it kind of helps enhance sure the, the understandings that I have because like yesterday we celebrated Christ the King Day and all of this talk of, of banquets and horses with crowns on their heads, like that was so not Jesus. Um, but it makes the story more interesting. It makes it come alive. And I think that um, as your resident youth minister, <laughs> it makes it a lot more accessible and fun for children to read too. Absolutely. And they can vision it and they can see it. And totally, totally. Right. So Haman gets out and honors um, everybody and, you know, we're at a good place. But then chapter seven comes and da, 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 Haman dies. He's put to death, right? So that's sort of the end of the story there. What are, your, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, I guess that's good in some way, not that we want anyone to die, but the 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 story is switched, right? Like right. The, the good people win. Um, it, it's sort of a good outcome, um, even though there was a lot of scariness that encouraged that had to go into that, don't you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I don't love at all when anybody dies, whether it's because they were condemned to death or they died of natural causes. But this is one of the stories in the Bible that um, really speaks to our kind of cultural need to have love over evil, life over death. Um yeah. Alan and I talked about it earlier with Esther, like love definitely wins in this and we don't always get that. And so right. someone had to die for that to happen. But, um, 
and that's never a good thing. But I, I do think that we have to com- continue to con- commend Esther and her, who she was. And I love just thinking about that discernment part of it and here and having such a human example of someone in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, because, you know, sometimes I think we can get really fixated on the New Testament, which is, is who we are as Christians. And I believe that, but, you know, Alan and I are just super committed to going through every chapter of this and really trying to create, as you were talking about earlier, just this understanding of the story and where we can see ourselves in that. That it's not just some story that happened a long time ago. It's up here for us for the taking. Right. You know? I, I love that. And I think another important piece of the end of chapter seven or of this story is that not only is it a love wins, but it's love wins because a woman was the catalyst. She was the driving force. And we don't always see that in scripture. We don't um, see that sometimes in life enough. So <laughs> I, think that, I think that's a such a good point. Yeah. Um, and I'm so grateful for her and honestly, really grateful for this time to kind of study her a little bit more, especially as we walk into Advent. For some reason in Advent, I really like to preach on the Old Testament. Um, sure feel very called to that. And so, um, you know, we don't get enough Esther in the lectionary, but um, I do feel like there's just so, such a gift of her voice and I'm grateful and what an earnest woman she was. Anything else we need to kind of know about Esther that you wanted to share? Um, That's a really good question. My dearest friend is Jewish. Um, and so we have a lot of fun talking about the uh, understandings we have of scripture. Um, but Esther is like a big deal in Judaism. Uh, the Jewish holiday of Purim is all this big kind of homage to Esther's story and the grand galas she throws. Um, and I love the reverence that the Jewish people have for her. Uh, I think we could learn a thing or two about giving women in scripture, not just Mary, but yeah. giving giving Elizabeth and Deborah and Dorcas, all these women who lifted up ministry. Um, and a lot were, of women that we don't even know their names too, right? Right, right. So the fact that Esther has her own book in the Hebrew Bible that's a big deal. That in itself is a really big deal. And I hope that everyone uh, takes a read through Esther because it's just, it's so cool. Yeah. So let's all, let's challenge the Bible love listeners. Take, it's not a long book of the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's, um, is it 11 chapters total, 10 chapters total? Um, maybe your Advent season, you could, during your, when we're supposed to be calm and slow down, and that's super hard to do, of course, with all that's going on, maybe take a little time and read the book of Esther. I challenge the Bible love listeners. Let's see if we can do it. Um, Analysis, I am so grateful for your time today. I'm so grateful for a new friend and getting to know you even more. And listeners, I want you to remember always that we love you, but most importantly, 
God does. Absolutely. Jesus loves all of us uh, so much that we have probably no idea. And that's a really cool mystery to have. I am deeply grateful to have joined you all this morning. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving and uh, embrace a little bit of Esther's earnestness this holiday season. Sounds good. Thank you, Anne Alexis.